Oh yeah, did you see uh Kid Kid Rock Kid Rock shooting up the cases of Bud Light? Right. <laughs> oh I know. Oh my goodness. And the whole Bud Light thing and there's this great meme of a bus on the top, like nearing a train, and on the top it says by the bus, you snowflakes are offended by everything. And then the train is plowing into the bus and it's labeled gay beer can. That's the big joke about snowflakes, right? We're so like us liberals, we're so offended by everything. I'm right. like, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. let's talk Please, about that. Some of my gay beer can. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 256 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episodes, the Reverend Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, will discuss and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that good brew might be in your very own Pub Theology Life pint glass, which you can get if you become a subscriber on Patreon. Uh, you can get access to more content, free and post-show banter, like today's episode where I recount my harrowing tales of the electronic flea market and the oyster delivery guy. It's, All I just yeah. heard were harrowing tales and <laughs> not harrowing tales. So I just want you sure, to... Sure, same thing. Uh, you got to be there. So yes, you can com slash PT Live and help support the show. And as always, thank you to our current patrons. Today we'll discuss Easter church attendance, sports and religion, and reading the Bible. So um, we are meeting a little later than we normally do, which means, Ogan, you can break your fast for yes. us. So what are you drinking today? Fast as broken. I'm going fancy. I'm going with uh, Drambuie. That's all you had to say. Drambuie. Wow. Drambuie. This is, uh, are y'all familiar with this? I've never had this before. I am. Yes. A unique blend of aged Scotch whiskey, heather honey, and spices. It is quite tasty. I've never yeah. had this before. It's a little dangerous tasty. It, it, it really is. I yeah. did not expect it to be as delicious as it is, it really cuts the it really cuts the bite of the whiskey, but you can yeah. still taste uh, the 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 whiskey. Um, it's was, almost like a cocktail in one, but it's you know all liquor. Ex ex exactly. <laughs> it was either this or a bottle of wine that we picked up when we were in Naples. But um, I feel like wine. It would have been nicer to to share it um yeah. than than just so so yeah. So so she had this lying around. So I'm like, oh, never had me some of that. Let's go for that. Boom. Yeah, Grand Bowie. Brian, what are you drinking? So I am drinking a green zebra peach ghost style ale from Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So there's like a, a green zebra on the can. And uh, a ghost is, you know, kind of a sour style, lambic-y. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I've not had the peach variation before, so looking forward to. So wait, is Green Zebra the the brand of no, the beer? No, that's the name. That's the name. Founders Which Brewing. Be... Right. So, so... the brewery is Founders. Okay. Yeah, Green Zebra. They was originally there was just one, and it was I forget it was um, like lime, I think, and then they decided to do uh, a mango and a peach and like a whole series. I'm just curious about the zebra connection. What was going on in their heads when they went with that? I don't know. I don't know. And maybe they drink too much of it. <laughs> does not say so. Yeah, remains a mystery. Uh, I miss the can descriptions. We got to get more cans with descriptions. Listen, this this bottle got a whole story about I'm Bonnie sure. Prince Charlie. Oh yeah, no, no, that yeah, the Scotch <laughs> the does. The, the Scotch will always yeah. Those Scottish will always tell you a story, honey. They will always be a story. What do you have going on, Shannon? So I we um, had COVID a couple weeks ago, and I'm in the middle of also allergy season. So I am not 
drinking alcohol, but I stopped by my wonderful Sonic and got myself a grape slush. Today, we've got one of America's favorite summer drinks, the Sonic Slushy. Yay! Which is my little treat drink. <laughs> um, you know, I can boycott a lot of places, but if somebody, like, if we ever have to boycott Sonic between my grape slush and my cherry limeade, like, I will be very sad. Um, wow. I feel actually, that way about Popeyes. If I ever yeah, heard that Popeyes wanna... stop being progressive, uh, yeah. yeah. That's I don't want to have to boycott Popeyes either. No, no. It was a struggle to give up Chick-fil-A. I know, but mm. we don't, we did. And we, Chick-fil-A and Wendy's still on the list, but mm. you know. So I have never been to a Sonic. <gasps> oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? Oh, dude. You're, I don't think you're we missing even out have on one some, in Holland. You're missing out on some classic Americana right yeah, there. You are. Yeah, I mean, I see up, the ads and it looks, skates. yeah, it looks great when I see the ads, but yeah. I will say that they, I do believe they changed, not I do believe, I know, I know in my heart of hearts that they changed their cherry limeade recipe yeah. a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And it is not the same. And I am not happy about and it. And like, that's their go-to beverage. It right is. There. It's their <laughs> How life. dare they? I know. You can also, just fun fact, if you ever go to a Sonic, you can get a cherry limeade slush, which is like French oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Wow. Wow. So that's the what chef's I'm kiss, kiss of slushes. But I'm a, I'm a grape girl. I'll get grape stuff all the time. Yeah. There you I go. go. There you go. All right. On to today's topics. Okay. So spring has sprung uh, and baseball has started. And new this year, Major League Baseball has instituted a pitch clock to speed up its games. And it I think it's shaved like an average of a half hour off of the games. So it seems to be a success. What is something else that you wouldn't mind being sped up? How about the whole baseball season? Let's just <laughs> right the whole thing over with. I was like, can we just get rid of baseball? Like, uh, <laughs> no, never. <laughs> but 162 games is a lot. It's a lot it's a, of games. Uh, it's a lot of games. Um, keeping it sport related, I would love to speed up the NBA playoffs because those take forever. You know, now we got the playing tournaments that are just getting started. And, yeah, there's a lot of tournaments for and that. And it's like the best of seven, and yeah, there's a like, seven. you know, kind of deal. And I remember a couple of years ago, they went to like best of five for like the first round, and yeah. everybody, all, all the players, all the coaches were up in arms about it. Well, there were some like, upsets, weren't there, when they had... Yeah, exactly. And then they're like, if this was seven games, the better team would have right. won. It's like, yeah, wasn't yeah. that the point of a tournament? <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, I would, I, would, I would speed that up. I would also like to speed up the end of capitalism and tearing down the patriarchy yeah. and the end of white supremacy. You know, oh, little things. Let's little just speed list. that time up, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, let's get the war in Ukraine over with, right? Like, like let's speed this up. Like, we know how this ends, but like, how many more people have to die until it does? And I don't know. I was looking at this going, you know, I kind of want to speed my kids up in the morning, getting ready for school. That feels kind of small potatoes, but it's real. No, but that's know. what I was thinking of more yeah. like, you know, shaving <laughs> off a half hour of your life. I mean, yes, the big issues, we'd love them all to speed toward resolution, but in terms of like something that frustrates you and takes more time out of your day than it maybe needs to. So I, this is so, um, you know, I, I've tried really hard not to be one of these people that like wishes time away at all, you know, because right. I, I do get it and I understand. And that's been a, a real practice for me, but it's a, it's hard question to answer when you're like, you've rooted yourself so deeply in discipline. That's like, I want, I don't want, I don't want to wish time away, but you know, we're a blended family and we don't get to be all together all the time. And so there are times where it's like, when, when do we get to be together all together again and do these things? Um, and so you're kind of are a little bit wishing time away for the good or like wanting to get to vacation or like wanting right. to, and, and again, like, so for me, like that discipline is like trying to find value in each day, but like, there are just things you look forward to that you want time to speed up so you can get to them, you know? I don't know. Right. And for me, I think sometimes there's things on the schedule where I'm feeling anxious. Like, let's say last week was 
for example, it's Holy Week and it's Easter and you want it to go well, but you also kind of want it to be over because then you feel like you can relax a little. Yeah. So there are those moments of sort of anxiety where it's like, yeah, I wouldn't mind just kind of speeding through that and getting to the other side. But as you said, time is so precious that you don't want to. Like if I could bank it, right? Like if we could yes, bank the, the 10 minutes every morning of getting ready to school and then I could like savor, I could, I could like choose to have those 10 minutes back at a more. Yes. You could unlock it later. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I wish. Kind of like, kind of like remember, remember the uh, cell phone rollover minutes? Yes. yes. I want exactly. rollover minutes. That's, I want exactly. life to have rollover minutes. That's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. Also, if if you're gonna do it, I don't watch it, but golf, golf needs to be sped up. Like, they <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh man! Thankfully, those trees that fell during the Masters weren't moving any faster. They might have knocked a couple of folks out. I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. okay. There were like <laughs> tall, large pine trees Ooh. right next to a fairway that literally just fell over, and there were spectators all over, and somehow no one got hurt. Like it was Jesus. crazy. That is crazy. But anyway, all right. So it just was Easter and uh, a UCC pastor, a friend of mine just cast, posted to her social media on Good Friday or maybe it was Holy Saturday. And she said, for those who come to church on Christmas and Easter, I can't wait to see you this weekend. It is always a privilege and I feel honored we can be part of your life. And I shared that because I just found it refreshing, you know, for a, a pastor or a church to say, we know some folks, some of you only come to church on sort of these bigger days like Christmas or Easter. And that's great versus I, I think sometimes churches can sort of hold it over people when they aren't quote. Yeah, where, up where, where are you all the other Sundays of the year? <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Yeah. So I don't know what have you experienced like either side of this uh, in your own practice or in attending a church yourself? I've, I've never, I've never experienced like, this sort of like in the moment i remember both experiencing and doing the glad you are here all you you know folks were here for the first time you know sometimes i have kind of tongue-in-cheek joked about and those of you who we saw this time last year you know that sort of deal uh, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah. but but this this really is coming across as um almost like a, a good for you like like, thank you for, for coming twice a year, like at least, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It, it's, yeah. it is a slightly, slightly different approach and saying like, that's okay. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's very it, permission giving, right? Yes. That's what I'm going for. It, yes. It's very validating. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I like, I admit, um, I also admit, right. Like one of the reasons why I didn't like whole, like high days in the, in the church was because there were a bunch of new people and there was a lot of pressure and pressure. there was, a, you know, and, and you let that pressure get the better of you. Mm. Um, and so it's interesting because I hold this tension between like that and, and feeling pressure as a pastor. And now as somebody who is not going to church every Sunday, um, and we, we did go as a family on Easter and we went to a friend of ours church and it wasn't, um, it was surprisingly like regular Sunday feel. Mm, um, yeah. And it wasn't and, like, over the top. It wasn't over the top. And like yeah. how we kind of had commented, like all of us in the car kind of commented a little bit of disappointment about that. Yeah. which was, was interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting no. kind of like, Oh, that's like huh and and so what i part of what i like not only is this validating and and permission giving but it's also like we want to recognize that this isn't just a regular sunday and isn't that kind of exactly what that like what we're trying to do is to say it's not a regular sunday so of course people are going to be there that yes. don't come any other day yes. and why wouldn't that be okay and, and great and great. And especially yeah. in a world in a, in a, like where we are as a country where even those numbers are slipping, yeah. like, mm -hmm. like, like not just plateauing, I mean, just downhill. Yeah. People really aren't coming on Easter and Christmas even anymore. It's not like it's, it's getting to be a scary, like not joke anymore. 
right? Where right. Um, they're not special or they're not whatever. So like, this is very like, you're still in it and we still love you. And I, I don't know. I, I appreciate Jess so much as well, but just as a person, but I, I think this is a really beautiful sentiment that we could do a little more of. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's right. (laughs) Also not going to lie. I kind of miss the over the topness of Easter and Christmas services, right? Because Yes, there was there was sort of the, that 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 added pressure of because folks might this might be the only Sunday some of these folks are walking in. So how can we make it something extra yep. um, that might make them want to stick around? There was almost it almost was like a recruitment sort of Sunday. How, how can we get these people to stay? And then they come back next week and, and you're like, well, this week isn't Easter. So what did you expect? Exactly right. But I did, I did like the talk about, you know, Shannon mentioned permission given. It it was one of the few Sundays of the year where everybody gave everybody else permission to go over the top and stuff that you might not have included in your regular Sunday service. It's Easter. Let's do that. Well, and the musicians stepped it up a little more. Exactly. Yes. In a way that you were like, I wish we would do this every week. You know, (laughs) right? I wish the music. I wish the anthem was practiced more. You know. Yeah, we had more musicians, more songs, more of everything. But it was also more practice, more effort, more work. And And it's like, we can't do this every And you're And you're more wiped afterward. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in some cases, uh, you know, you might have two services because you knew that the crowd wasn't going to fit in, you know, in one service. So so you're right. It was more work and more fatigue at the end of the the day. And then you still felt like it was worth it a lot of times, um, sometimes. Um, but Shannon, this was, was this first Easter that you were not, yeah. yeah, how did, how did you were not, you were not pastoring? How did, how did that feel? You know, it's really interesting. So East, like Easter was fine. Um, and I more mean the lead up to Easter. Yeah. So feel? let me, let me talk about Holy week. Right. So, right. Yes. um, this was so interesting. So I, I like, and I think I've said this on the show a few times, like I'm really, there's, there's a lot of somatic things happening in my body, mm-hmm. leaving parish ministry. Yep. congregational ministry. I remember like, that. <laughs> so I've, I've, I was in churches every Sunday with very few exceptions for 20 years. So I left at my 20 year kind of mark, um, just a couple of months into what would have been year 21. And what is so interesting to me, which is half my life, right? Or like, not quite, I'm about to be 43. So um, what is so interesting to me is that my body has a rhythm of the week, of the year, everything else. So we had COVID over the weekend of Palm Sunday. And so I really wasn't even thinking about it. The only thing I was thinking of is we were supposed to get all the kids on Tuesday and that was spring break and are we going to be better by then? And is everybody right. going to be well? You know, that's, that was where my mind was. That was where I was focused. And my calendar was clear because I was focused on spring break. I was having the biggest existential crisis last week. Yeah. Like no joke. I was flipping out about Whoa. all of this rhetoric of like, you're not being productive enough. You're not doing enough. You've mm. got to work, 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 work. And by literally it was Friday. That I sat down and I, I, Derek was done working and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, damn capitalism. Like, By well, Friday, you said it is finished. Well, and then I, and then Thank I just God. looked at him and I said, it's Holy Week. And I think that my body is having this mm-hmm. response that yeah. is actually would have been a protective response, right? Yeah. Which is like, Shannon, if you don't get going, you're going to be in trouble. Right. Like, right. If you don't. You have yeah, yeah. You're, a you're, sermon. You were you having a, a Holy Week trauma response. Exactly. <laughs> and it took me until Friday to realize it was happening. Wow. So by yeah. Sunday, I was like, this is what we're doing. I was also like getting four teenagers or pre-teenagers out the door mm-hmm. for worship is y'all. I like really like I commend the families. Like, <laughs> like we did it and no we doubt. got out the door and we we got to church on time. And I was like, I looked at Derek and I said, I, I, I don't think I could do it every Sunday. I don't think I could. Yeah. I don't think I could get them out. Like, 
so I'll fully admit, and then I'll, I'll get off this topic, but like, like as hard as Sunday morning was for me, like I got up and left while everybody was still in bed. Like I didn't have to do any of that stuff on Sunday. There you morning. go. Yeah. I don't have to get anybody out the door. Yeah. I don't have to wake teenagers up. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There you go. I remember I remember having some of that similar feeling last year when it was my first Easter not doing church. This year was even more bizarre because I'm in a country that doesn't even recognize Easter. Right. right? right. So it is, it is just another normal week here, as normal as you can be during Ramadan. But it's, it's, there is nothing spectacular happening here in terms of leading up to anything. So you were roaming the streets shouting, he is risen in Arabic? <laughs> Listen, man. Did you go to church? Did you find a church? Did you go to church? I'm oh, just... hell no. no. I'm, I'm just curious. I need that answer. <laughs> no. I probably no, could no, have no. given you that answer. I was just curious. No, to no, hear it. no, no. But but it was, it was, to your point, there was still some of that lingering, mm-hmm. like it's Holy Week. I should be doing more. I should yeah. be at least posting more. I should be like acknowledging this more than, yeah. than I was like the whole week. I think Easter Sunday morning was the only time that I posted anything related to Holy week. And it, uh, and it was the first time something like inspiring came to me, but, but you're right. The days leading up to it, there was still that sense of like, I should be doing more because it is, holy week yeah you know that can i name one more thing that i found interesting is that um i didn't care about what the kids wore Mm. and i didn't ask like i just i the only thing i asked on saturday was does everybody have clothes like but i never asked to see their and i'm i'm not a control freak about those things but like easter was a day that was yeah so that was part of the pressure for me as a pastor um, that I passed on to my family. Yeah. And like Sophia wore ripped up jeans to church. And I was like, that's what she wore today. See, I, I had the opposite problem. My daughter used to be like, let me see what you're wearing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't trust you to match those colors well. Let me check. Oh, you. No. That's great. I, yeah, I mean, problem. it was just a really interesting kind of a like, Oh, I thought maybe I just cared about this, but I didn't. I just cared about it because I was afraid someone would judge me because of what my kid wore. Yes. So. Yes. yes. Yeah. Lots of learning. We're we're fortunately in a church that some folks will dress up. Some folks did dress up for Easter, but a lot of folks, it's kind of like whatever. And so our kids. Well, I want to be clear. My church didn't care what my kids wore. I was going to. Say, I no. took that on right. as a thing. We were all in churches where people dressed up all over the place. It wasn't yeah, about yeah, them. Yeah. It I got you. It was the right. thing we we put ourselves. I just think if I was in a different setting, there would be the expectation around how the pastor's family dressed, and that's grateful to not be in that setting. There are certainly those. Let's like let's not pretend those don't exist. That yeah, that's all I was trying to name. But like yeah. I was in a church where one of the worship leaders is in cutoffs and like a holy t-shirt, like nobody cared what anything yeah, wore. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. wasn't Perfect. the issue, you yeah. know. Nice. Or it was a discussion long, long ago that is done. Right, 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 right. You know. right. All You're right. probably gonna get more stairs in a suit than you are in. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so when we say come as you are, come as you are, yeah. <laughs> there it is, even if it's only on Christmas and Easter. Exactly. So following a move by the English Premier League, Major League Soccer has added game breaks for players who are fasting during Ramadan. And, you know, soccer doesn't halt at all. There's no timeouts. There's no break in play except for halftime and after the game is over. And traditionally, that was when you could break your fast, either halftime or once the game is done. But now they've actually had a referee added who blows a whistle to halt the game during one of the halves. So Muslim players can eat and drink mid-game and, you know, be a little healthier um, and not be running on empty while they're playing a, a, a physically demanding sport. Um, but in France, players were banned from this, from breaking their fast during games. So I found that interesting, that juxtaposition. And 
you know, how do you, how do you feel about this uh, changing of a rule or instituting something that impacts whole teams and players and game flow for the sake of a subset of folks who follow a specific religion? And are there other examples of this in other sports? So what you're telling me is the French are being discriminatory to Muslim people? Shocker. I know you're shocked by this, aren't you? Can't imagine. Especially given and, the majority of their players. But right. That's, yeah. And also right. to you know, I actually did a little research on this one question and I pulled <laughs> up I pulled up the French Football Federation to look at the executive uh, board. Like yeah. who are the actual, mm. I didn't want to make an assumption. Who's making the decision? Who is making this decision? And, and I could have just made the assumption. It had been There was, again, primarily men, uh, primarily white men, primarily older white men. Mm-hmm. I believe there were two people of color on the board. Um, but aren't and, old white French guys supposed to be a little more open-minded and progressive? Have you ever been to France? What are you talking about? That was said sarcastically. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, that's <laughs> certain brackets. So it that. was, uh, and I think it's, if my memory serves me correctly, it's like an eight or nine member board. Uh, there's one young uh, black woman who's a former player, mm-hmm. and one other guy who is not French, um, and, but he's European. Um, but apart from that, a handful of other women, but the, the yes, majority white membership on on this board and when we when we talk about a lot of like internalized like racism and internalized sexism and internalized all the isms mm-hmm. you know people who who brought who who get up and proclaim i am not racist i don't see color this is how it shows up right you know um when we when we look at um and and we talked about maybe talking about this later. When we look at what just happened in Tennessee, and we had the Tennessee Three and two and and the two black members of the Tennessee Three who were who were voted out, and you know they've been reinstated. But then when you have the when asked for a response, you know you you have you, you have like GOP members saying, "Oh no, it wasn't because of their color they were expelled. We didn't we didn't see color at all." I'm just yeah. like, can you? How are you even trying to say this with a straight face? And they came up with a reason, God. which was the most idiotic, non-actual reason. I can't even remember what it was, but it was right. Awful. And and but I mean, they broke. It was about breaking decorum, right? Right. They which broke. Is yeah. They yeah. The rules. You can't. You can't be in the in the well that area and speaking out of turn, especially with a bullhorn. I understand they broke decorum. However, there's a there there's a range of punishments and reprimands. Well, from, that was you know, like right. I'm gonna give you a stern talking to to like you are out. Like well, there's they, a whole ethics nuclear. committee that could investigate this, much All like the ethics, much like the right. ethics committee investigates the one person that peed on the other person's chair, you know, in the chamber. You know, like that, that those go right. to the but I what I what I'm curious about in the soccer, and then we'll go back to Tennessee, but like what I'm curious about in this is like i understand how i i i don't we don't follow soccer or football depending on where you are in the world like um but there have to be other accommodations right so no technically there aren't stops for play but there are for injuries or there are for right there are times when the yes. clock stops right no the clock never stops the clock oh, the keeps clock running they'll, they'll they'll add stoppage time they add stoppage at the time. end so it's like a 90 minute match and depending on on when there was an injury however long it took to you know get that player up again or or sub him or whatever they'll add on a random amount of minutes at the end gotcha. um and the match will last between three and nine minutes yeah yeah the match will last a little bit longer but that's different than Every, than than uh, a prolonged stoppage of play for nourishment. So even when yeah, so I think they do stop the clock for this, right, Ogan? They would have to. Yes. Yeah, and I believe they do as well. So I mean, on the surface, you can I like I do see like wow, this is a big change. Like I get that, I understand that. Yeah. What I don't is. understand, yeah. I mean, I I think that's okay to acknowledge and recognize. Yeah. What I where I think the point is in this is that 
you know, Ogan, you've been talking about this and being mm-hmm. in a being in a country that is not just religiously Muslim, but also uh, like it's culturally. Yes. Like so, Ramadan. I, what I think is interesting about this conversation is like as more and more players come from countries, right, where right. there is a cultural practice of fasting. Mm-hmm. This is a reasonable accommodation. In expanding your sport to include, to be more inclusive and more equitable for the players. And and what's important to recognize, and I really appreciate this till I was here in Morocco, is that not only is the fast in the observance part, but the break in the fast mm-hmm. is too, right? You right. break the fast with your community, with your family. That's as important. There's whole rituals around breaking the fast. I was telling Brian in the pre-show, I went, I went to an, an iftar, which is, you know, the, the, the meal where you break the fast. And there's specific foods that are served yeah. or can be served during, during iftar. Uh, so there this isn't is... just like grabbing a power bar no. on the bench that you're <laughs> no, just like, now I can No, this is, this is, this is players who observe Ramana coming together. Yeah. To, you know, I'm, uh, I, I don't see what's happening in the matches, but I know when there's iftar and, and observed by communities all over the world, there's prayer, there's, there's yeah. song, there's, there's the sharing of the meal, there's blessings. There's the whole ritual around it. Yeah. It's it's not just let's eat. We can eat now. So I've been hungry for 12 right. hours, right? Yeah, it's so not, stuff your it's face. Not no, it's it's right. It's ritual. Yeah. It is, it is, it is ritual. So yes, if you're going to schedule a match that involves players on the field when this is happening, then you yes, this is no one's no one's I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone is scheduling a soccer match like on the 25th of December or, right. you know, in the well, uh, NBA. Well, and, and NFL is certainly playing, but, but the, I think what the point that we're kind of talking about. So I, yeah, it's a big change, but what's wrong with that is what my kind right. of my point. Sure. Right. Yeah. This is a, this is truly, I mean, soccer, you know, it is truly a worldwide sport. It is the sport of the world. It is. It is. And so to to be so closed-minded as to not make certain... Now, I guess you... Again, I'm just... um, I don't know enough about it, but I'm, I'm like, just because it's a religious thing that they're breaking for doesn't mean it's not about inclusivity and equity. Right. That that to me is the difference here um, right. of, of what makes it an important conversation. It's not because it's religious. It's because of how the game is shifting. And I mean, honestly, I'm a little more shocked that the English did it first. You know? And I think it's important to note the cultural aspect like that. it It's not just purely religious, that it, it's yeah. embedded in people's way of being human. And so I don't think there's an, a, an exact correlation in Christianity where, it, you know, such, you know, mm-hmm. there were players who wouldn't pitch on Sundays, let's say, um, you know, early on, or Jewish players who wouldn't play on, right, Saturday. on Saturday. So there's been yeah. examples of that, but games were never yeah. moved or canceled. It's just they chose that for themselves. But I think, you know, both of those traditions, most adherents find a way to reconcile playing even though they may see it as you know a a more special holy day but there's not the food and the fasting aspect that's a corollary certainly in christianity well and there's a let's also name the physiological aspect of this right Right. which the danger of breaking a fast too quickly or the danger right or of um, if you have to spend or playing a 90 minute game on empty, on empty, on complete, on not being able to like, remember, like, it's not just not eating, it's not drinking, yeah. no water right? breaks. So you're completely dehydrated. Um, and, and I think that it's also a recognition of like, this isn't just about one pitcher, not, you know, not going in. This is like, these are teams. These are 
major like numbers of the people that are playing. Um, So yeah, I, and on one hand, you know, somebody could go down the slippery slope of like, well, if you make this accommodation, then you have to make all these accommodations. But like you said, there's really not anything else that is this kind of prominent in terms of the physiological, it's not just a day or it's not just a, you know, season or something. Um, but I also don't think it's that hard for one month of the year to schedule matches so that no one's playing at one specific hour. I feel I feel like that's I mean, that's doable. the other side of it, right? Right. I'm it's like saying. don't don't do it or do it after dark, right? You like, know, we have lights in stadiums now. We could play in the evening. <laughs> yeah. Like if you no played doubt. at 8 p.m., the sun would go down, you'd be able to eat, you'd be able to at least drink something before you go out yeah. there. It's yeah. all, you know, in France, I'm curious when it says they were banned from breaking, does that mean like even at halftime they couldn't break the fast I, if they I, chose? Or does it mean they wouldn't make no, the they wouldn't they wouldn't stop. they wouldn't they, they wouldn't do special right, stuff. They wouldn't make the special stop. Okay. So yeah, halftime they can do it. And and Shannon, you said you were surprised the English didn't do it. I know, right? Like, no, the French, the French have a particular <laughs> distaste. Yes, they do. Or brown folk coming from Muslim countries, well, especially and even French speaking brown folk. So the people that you know they colonized. Yeah. Right. No. They're no. like, oh, I hear we you. don't, we don't, we don't like you. Uh, and, and the French are particularly French about it. Well, uh, and that's the mm-hmm. other side of this that I think is an important thing to name, which is if there were no other evidence, particularly in soccer, of racism in France, then maybe. You could say this is just about right. an integrity of the game issue, but we have countless articles over the last several years yep. of racism in France, particularly in soccer. Yep. So that's, I think, what makes this just another twist of that night, and more broadly anti anti Muslim, anti Muslim, yes, yes, specifically, yep, yep, yep. Yes. and most specifically, African players. Yes. From areas that France colonized. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Coming to play for France. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so Ogan hinted so at. So again. Good. Yeah. I was going to say Ogan hinted at the situation in Tennessee, in which, you know, three lawmakers were reprimanded and two were expelled from the Tennessee House. And guess which two uh, got got expelled to the two black ones um, for protesting gun violence. And interestingly, in the debate in the Tennessee House floor, you know, on what to do with them, there was religious rhetoric used both by those defending the lawmakers and by those who wanted to reprimand them. And so it it was really interesting. Um, One local Black pastor observed, I think this collision of opinions might reveal that sometimes we are praying to a different God. And so I just thought it was worth thinking about and and looking at the use of, one, the use of religious language in this explicitly state political environment, and is that problematic? And then that we have competing views, like directly opposed views, who are both appealing to their same religious convictions or their convictions rooted in the same religion, Christianity. Well, I think I think the pastor just quoted and nailed it on the head. It is different gods. Mm-hmm. We I, I, I keep reminding people, we create God in our own image. Yeah. Not we we keep professing it's the other way around, but it's not. We create God in our own image. So all the people who, for example, are, are you know, anti-queer, anti-trans, they're creating a God that says, you know, I, I made man and woman be fruitful, multiply, and anything outside of that binary is not holy, right? And then there are those of us who are, who are pro-queer, who support the LGBTQ community, who go like, and Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself right? right so we see a god that is loving and inclusive so again we we continue both sides of us yes to create god in in our image and then therefore we're going to find the bible verses in the passages that support that right none of i don't think any three of us here on this panel are going to quote the bible verses that you know say go you know, stone people who break rules and right. spare the rod and spoil the child and go beat our kids. Like we're not going to do that, you know. But there are people who 
who do that um, and quote the Bible while they're doing it, while they're beating their kids. So it's, this is, this is the tricky, this is the tricky thing about, about when, when we use religion to, to supplement, to support us. Well, um, I forget the term uh, confirmation. We use a lot of confirmation bias, right? <laughs> when it comes well, to the Bible, it. when it comes to, to, to religion, let's find the parts that support us. So for me, it, it, uh, it always tends to come down to where's the harm that's being done, right? If we're, if we, if there's harm being done somewhere to someone, to some group, if there's a, uh, a, a not acceptance if there's if there's a discrimination a marginalization of of someone or some group and we're using the bible or god or a view of god to support it then for me it comes down to again you're perpetuating harm and regardless of if you are a you know a diehard believer or a diehard atheist uh, no good comes from harming another person. Well, God says we should harm each other. So I'm just following. Well, there's that too. <laughs> you know, I'm just. There's, there's a lot of smiting in the Bible, isn't there? I mean, the thing is, Tennessee is so Bible Belt that they voted to make the Bible the state book. I almost spit <laughs> some whiskey into the mic there. <laughs> they do that in Tennessee too. Oh my God. Um, but I, <laughs> I think one of the things that sets me off about the use of both like kind of this both sides using um scripture for the argument is the the massive amount of hypocrisy that is doled out from in this case the conservative gun argument side right Mm. that were completely completely restricting abortion because scripture tells us that every life that life begins before birth and that every life is vital and life is so precious etc etc while at the same time there's a bill before us that an 18 year old can buy assault rifles with no background check no whatever because 18 year olds are adults and they can do what they want because they're out defending life with that weapon because every life is sacred (laughs) because right so i so that there is nothing more that sets me off than that kind of rhetoric and hypocrisy where the same person or the same people are using scripture in like the complete opposite ways right metrically opposed ways yeah exactly and so then you have the people that are trying to say we need to do something about guns in our state because children are dead and this is not okay. And my faith tells me, right. And, and whatever it is, but I, I think, and I get tongue tied around it. I really do. Like this isn't just COVID fog. Like I get so angry that I don't have words to describe that level of hypocrisy. And especially, it- especially as we know recently, uh, guns, gun deaths are the leading cause of death in children, children. Minors, yes. in minors in the U.S. It's it's it surpassed car accidents, leading yeah. cause, and we know how much regulation and safety is in place for cars, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I I love I love watching stuff on TV that's set in I don't know seventies or earlier. 80s or earlier, no seat belts, yeah, no head restraints, like yep. you know, just floating babies sitting in the car seat next to you. Yep, all, yep. all sorts of things. You're holding them in, in their lap, you know, right? That, that, yeah. in your lap. Listen, quick. They were the in airbag bar- in Barbados. That happened in Barbados when I was like, "Well, take take our friend somewhere," and she's getting in the car. And she's got her baby in her hand, and I'm like, "I don't want to drive right, right. now." No, no. thank you. It's not okay. No. No, but it and and if you go back to Reagan, who a lot of these GOP members, you know, hold up as Saint Reagan, I mean, extremely anti assault rifle. Like mm-hmm. there he is was. this beauty, he was like there is this great speech of Reagan defending the right to own a handgun for or a rifle for like even for protection purposes, but 
goes off on kind of a tirade about assault rifles and how you would never use an assault rifle in hunting. Like there's nothing left of the carcass. Like, have you seen what assault rifles do to people? There's a reason why we use these in, in wars against mortal enemies, quote unquote. Right. And, yeah. and so we like, conven- conveniently forget that they did. I mean, that's the, but again, this is the level of kind of hypocrisy that we're dealing with yeah. is I, as a, mostly white male but also white women you know but like i as a white person want to be able to do whatever i want that should be my right and everyone else should be restricted on whatever it is that they want yes and there there are folks in my state who want to make michigan a sanctuary state for the second amendment or for guns it's like our our guns are so fragile that we need to be like, they're using language in ways. It's just so perverted. And it makes me insane when I hear that. I'm like, the whole country is already a sanctuary. Yes. Right. Welcome to the freaking USA. I was going to say, welcome to America. Like everywhere else in the world, like does not get to do this. And nor should they, nor should we, we should not. No. And I mean, this is so, you know, I was in Nashville that day and my, aunt's granddaughter was at the preschool where the kids were picked up from so we're getting lot like we're getting text messages from um she's kind of an adopted she grew up next door daughter that's the language so she's not actually my cousin anyway but we're getting updates from her throughout the afternoon while we're all sitting on her back deck and just you know simultaneously having the the you know, medical care, trans kids bill, the drag bill was up and Mm -hmm. a bill, all of this was in front of Tennessee's legislature the day this happened. And the bill that, that was for 18 year olds to buy assault rifles freely without waiting period, without background checks, just freely. So all three of these bills are happening in this legislature. I mean, it is no wonder they picked up a megaphone and screamed at the top of their lungs. Right. Exactly. Because nothing that was else the was righteous, get across. That was the righteous thing to do, the right I, thing. Right? I mean, then this is where, I mean, they tried to do this years ago when John Lewis and they did the sit-in in the, mm-hmm. um, was it the Senate or the Congress that, uh, I don't remember which. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they tried to do this very, they tried to like expel them. The GOP tried to expel them mm-hmm. or whatever. And they, right. they couldn't get the votes because it was absolutely ridiculous. And, but it was, it was this very same play. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's just because what else are we going to do? What else do we have left? Yeah. I'm going to get a megaphone and I'm going to scream in your face. Cause you know what? You've given me no other choice. Yeah. 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 Right. So I, I'm sorry. I just that's no. See, I get really angry and then I find it. <laughs> you channeled your anger and you were articulate. So that is not always the case. <laughs> I can get really angry, but I can't always be articulate when get, articulate get, when I am. <laughs> give Sonic some credit. I think I think the hey. I think I think the Sonic. Yeah, that would not have gone over as well. I think it's my grape slush. That would not have gone over as well on, on some on some high octane beer, I don't think. Like my really, I do get in a fog with this COVID really does have me in a fog. But it I just I I really do ask this question a lot these days. And and I think we've been asking this question in our country a lot for a hundred years, right? Which is like mm-hmm. this can't continue. Like something has to change. And so what will change? And and here's what gives me hope. All of those young people that were screaming in the in the balcony yes. and outside the Tennessee House, right? Yep. We are seeing we're seeing now the first like uh, uh, what is it? For all the generations, all the uh, all the gen- Parkland kids can vote now, right? And now we're also seeing some some millennials, not millennials, uh, Gen Zers being elected into Congress, right? Yes. Um, so well, and so these when two, all of, uh-huh. these two were quite young. They're quite young, they are right? Quite so young. The, they are early thirties. So that. the change, the change will most likely come when some of these older white men die off. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying I'm not advocating violence against them. Don't you know? Nobody, no, nobody no, at no, no. me. And we're no. looking at you, old French white dudes. <laughs> right. 
By the way, exactly. the kids are sitting in the state house, like yeah. outside singing, like this little light of mine. Yes. Like, right. They are singing. I mean, they were like, there's live stream video of like them singing Quaker, right? And yep. but VBS songs. And these are not like anti-religious people. No, they're no, not no, 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 at no. all. And no, these no. like these are people that very much value what I think is good and right in the world. And they're 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 using their faith and their religion to do it, which is commendable. And they're doing it in a way that says we've got to quit being hypocritical about it. Yes. And more and more of them are realizing that the change will only come when they're sitting at the table mm -hmm. that makes the decisions, right? Because they realize that regardless of them saying what they want, the folks in the state houses are just going to do whatever they want to do. Um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not listening to their constituents. So, yeah. so more and more are realizing, oh, we actually have to be in the house. We actually have to run for office. We actually have to be in the seats that, that we got to be in the room where it happens, you know, as the sound says. So yeah, you got to be one of the vote casters. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's when the change is going to come when more and more of those uh, folks uh get go get in those positions and i mean i don't want to pretend that this is just generational because um you know i there are plenty of people our age oh yeah did you see uh kid kid rock kid rock shooting up the cases about like right. <laughs> oh, i know God. oh my goodness and the whole bud light thing and you know that whole anyway whatever you get the yes. idea. But like, Wait, how did that not make the topics oh my <laughs> gosh because it's just like big eye roll but oh well, what I love is like all the like, okay, good luck finding your light beer because Coors Light's done it and yes. you know Heineken's not, done not, it. Not, and not only that, Bud but, Light's but doing we're it. we're gonna empty out our free our fridge of all the Bud Lights in protest. But here's all the other Anheuser Busch products that are still sitting in your fridge. Well, not just that, but like, like they're going out to oh right. This is my favorite thing about burning mm. books or something. You're going out and buying the product in order to like shoot it up on social media or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so just give them more of your money. There's you know. this great meme of a bus on the top, like nearing a train. And on the top, it says by the bus, you snowflakes are offended by everything. And then the train is plowing into the bus and it's labeled gay beer can. Right. No. And I mean, that's, that's mm. the big joke about snowflakes, right? We're so like us liberals, we're so offended by everything. I'm right. like, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. let's talk Please about that. My gay beer can. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, and that's the other piece, right? The the party of the party of uh that um purports to be the defenders of the First Amendment and our anti-cancer culture, what do they do? They kick people out. They yep. silence these two members who are exercising their right uh, to be the voice of all the people who are saying, we need a change. We're going to silence you and we're going to cancel you by evicting you from the house chambers. So this is, this is a, you know, a party that, again, the hypocrisy is, is breathtaking, you know? Yeah. And we can see examples of change again in my state. Thankfully, uh, for the first time in 40 years, Democrats have both the House and the Senate at the state level, yes. and they are on the cusp of passing actual gun reform legislation. Like it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. It's so. Yeah. It's so. I mean, they're both. Both of the. So the three of them. Two of them are out of the two that got expelled are out of Memphis, or surrounding areas, and mm -hmm. and the woman was from Knoxville. And Tennessee, like a lot of states with a few big cities, um, Knoxville is an arguable city. It's a small city. But, you know, Memphis and Nashville are, are blue areas, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got a sprinkling in Knoxville and Chattanooga. But, you know, the rest of the state is red. Right. And what's but what's interesting is if you look at New York, the state of New York, New, the state of New York is exactly the same, same way. Same way. Yep. It's New York City, Albany, Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo are tiny little blue dots in the midst of a whole sea of red. Right. And yeah. 
but you know, other, all of that. But the other piece we also forget in is poll after poll after poll, both majority of Democrats and Republicans want more sensible gun reform. Yes. That's right? the other side. Right? That's yes. the other piece. Is you and, are, I mean, you are barking up the wrong tree here. You really are. Yeah. Like, this is not... And and I also go back to, I mean, this is one of the things that like I hold on to when I can't sleep kind of things of, you know, um, <laughs> fascists never stay in power forever, right? Like at right. some point the 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 empire falls mm. and we this this has to continue to hold true in and that justice will prevail in one way or another in some form or another. One and, death at a time. I mean, and and that's just where <laughs> I that's just where I, I have mean, to like. I didn't say it. I forgot who said man. it, but somebody said that right. Change is gonna come. One of the, the the people who are who are trying to maintain the status quo. Sometimes change won't happen until they have passed on because they're still in the seats of power, yep. right? They're still the ones making the decisions regardless, again, of what the rest of the country wants, of what their constituents want. So so we got to get them out. And because of gerrymandering and all the money in politics, they're going to keep getting voted into power. And we might just have to wait till they you know, peacefully expire. Or retire. Did I say expire? Retire. Retire. I wonder what would happen if (laughs) people, I'm not recommending this. I'm not. I I love all the disclaimers we've given on this show. But I'm just curious how a, how reform would happen if these shootings were happening in senior living facilities versus schools. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would make a difference. Do you not? I don't think it would make a difference because because we have plenty of mass shootings that are not happening in schools. We sure. have plenty of mass shootings where 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 people of all ages die. I mean, you know, are we aren't we on? I mean, we've already True. had more are the mass shootings is more shootings in general than we have days of the calendar year already. Yes. Oh, for sure. Already. Yeah. Right. So so, you know, and they're not all kids. So I don't no, they're think, not. I don't, and I mean, I don't think that's happened. a factor. Yeah, Louisville just happened. Louisville just happened exactly. yesterday exactly. at a bank, and you know exactly. So again, when nothing changed after Sandy Hook, like no, I agree. I know that was that was that was it. If we're not going to protect little rich white kids, we're not going to we're not going to do it. Like, exactly right. Do it. That that was the thing. It's like mm-hmm. oh, little rich little rich white kids got blown away. This is it. Yeah. Like it's it's come home now and it, yep. and it, and it, and it didn't. So yeah, we a... we will we will have we will have to wait. And it is, you know, both here in Morocco and here in Barbados when I meet people that is like one of the first questions that comes up. Am I afraid just being in the US? Yeah. Am I afraid that one day I'll get shot? And I and I say to folks, I got to admit, I kind of am, right? There's this existential dread and fear that lingers in the back of my mind that I don't realize until I am someplace where it doesn't. Yeah. So when I'm in Barbados, when I'm in Morocco, I mean, both places got their own level of crazy, but I am not worried about randomly the supermarket I walk into or the department store or the post office that I walk into, I'm going to get shot up. Right. Not worried about that at all. Yeah. It's it's interesting because like after years ago there was that um, <clears throat> shooting in a movie theater when Batman came out and the mm-hmm. opening scene of Batman has a lot of yes, yes you know yes, whatever and he was shooting gunfire. during that scene yeah. so not everybody knew that it was actual gunfire happening you know yeah. um, and it was just it, and and then I was like the first couple times I was in a movie theater I was afraid and then right a grocery store store and then a bank and then like the the rifle the dc rifle person that was sniper oh yeah that the was sniper like oh my god i was there station. at that point in time yeah yeah and like, that was bad but eventually it just became like i can't be scared of everywhere so you right. just become numb to it right right because right. for a while it was like oh my god movie theaters oh my god large large concert crowds oh my god gas stations oh my you god just realize you have stores. to wear your bulletproof vest every day everywhere like everywhere and helmet <laughs> And what I uh, so it it right. is easy to get, get stuck in the despair of it all. And please let's let's pull in 
inspiration from, as you said, Shannon, all of those kids yeah. that are sitting inside the Tennessee house singing and chanting and hollering like that's that's the future right there yep. and 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 we can't stop we just cannot no, stop can't. screaming about it and we okay. won't until it gets fixed because that's how go. things get fixed that's, that's how it gets done well let's all take a deep breath <laughs> also this drambuie i am a big fan <laughs> yeah you are a bigger fan as the <laughs> night goes on <laughs> that's right especially when you don't eat very much during the day Ooh. well thank you friends for tuning in to Pub Theology Live you can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon get access to pre and post show banter and more visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started and a big thank you to our current patrons Listen to anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week were Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Muskegon, Michigan, and Norristown, Pennsylvania. Somebody was driving through Pennsylvania, weren't they? <laughs> you can watch the video of these conversations on Facebook Live. And if you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Please hold my gay beer can. <laughs>